Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. If a sales rep is touching a lead that marketing gave them, that lead should be ready to at least have a conversation. Whether they requested a demo, they went through a product tour, they're using a free trial, whatever. And if marketing's not doing that, then you you are not marketing well. You're just not doing marketing correctly. Now, I think it's Udi, Udi from Gong that says, marketing's job is to make sales easier, especially in a sales led or product led's different, but that's, you know, that's a completely different conversation. What's up, Kyle? I'm glad we finally got you on the podcast. It's been it's been a while since I wanted to get you on, but when pals align, it's always great. I think that was mainly my problem, honestly. I know that you had a couple follow-ups and I was just, I, it was actually a, a time of a lot of change in my life, of course, but I'm glad to be here. I want to talk about how did you get into marketing first and then we can talk about the topic at hand. It's always had a line around creativity. Early on, I wanted to be in the music business. That was something that I'd wanted in high school. And I was a guitar player and I had a band and I went to school to do that. And I realized pretty quickly that was kind of the time. See, I graduated in 2002, high school, 2002. So this was like Napster, MySpace music was coming on the scene. Record labels weren't making money (laughs) at all. So for me, it was, you know, I need to figure something else out. And, and I'd always, I'd always love marketing. And so that's how I got in. And after school, I started an agency and then I got into software, um, which I am in today in 2012, when I joined exact target to run, um, their content marketing team. I mean, you've held a lot of marketing leadership positions, but I want to go into how as a marketer could you advance in your career like you do like how do you do you set yourself up for success to eventually like become a cmo you need to be able to manage up appropriately and show the impact you're having to the business so that could look like hey how's this content driving close one revenue it could look like how's this event strategy that we launched or community strategy we launched affect customer retention business line objectives you have to show impact in business line objectives once you do that and you're consistently communicating it it can't be like hey uh ceo i feel like i need a promotion here's all the impact that i've done in one sitting right it needs to be a consistent communication strategy with your boss or with the board or whoever whoever's making the decision to say Oh yeah, this makes complete sense. They've been having impact for the past year because you hear about it constantly. I mean, you almost want to be annoying with the amount of impact that you're having as a marketer or just as a professional. So I'd say communicate impact. You can do that via email. You can do it via Slack. You can do it via one-on-ones, but make sure you're setting the right goals that, that align to the, to the business and not just a marketing metric. How should a marketer align goals that align with one 
the CMO strategy or like the marketing strategy into the actual overall business objectives that they're that business is trying to achieve. You have to align marketing to revenue. If you don't align marketing to revenue, especially in a high growth SaaS environment, you're second tier to sales or CS. And when budgeting or resource allocation discussions are had, marketing is second secondary to that because you didn't align objectives. So ultimately it's how is marketing driving or, and I'm gonna use this word lightly, influencing revenue creation. And that's number one. And then the rest of the stuff, if you can meet revenue demand, pipeline or close one revenue, whatever, whatever the metric is, the other stuff is easier to have those conversations because businesses need to grow, especially venture-backed SaaS. You had an interesting post or tweet a while back about how you think about doing activities that don't directly align to revenue. So I think that's a cool conversation to have of like, I know like 80% of your activities are going to show a blended that you're going to do that. And then like 20% or I don't know exactly the number you put, like are just like this test budget or like trying to do brand. So could you go into that a little bit of like, how do, what are some activities that don't align that you can like put in your plan that cause impact on the road? It's a evolving opinion, honestly, in terms of how I think about it. The channels that drive revenue should be managed down to the very tactical dollar, a dollar in how much are you getting out? The brand plays, it's not that they're not measurable because you can measure whatever the hell you want with Visible and Marketo and analytics, anything you want to buy, you can manage it, right? You could probably track down to the very click on how much it, how much it influenced this deal that was closed. What I have found is that when you try to measure brand plays like direct mail or an event or some type of in-person experience, it dampens the creativity of the team because they're so worried about getting pipe in the room. So that means it's not important. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be looking at the impact that it's having for the business line because you... You want, to, you want to connect budget to brand in some way because you want more of it because we're all building categories here. But you want to make sure that the experience that the person is having is paramount. When marketers come in the room and they talk about metrics first or, or, or like investment efficiency when it comes to brand, they usually are shitty brand experiences because they're too worried about making sure that there's a dollar, dollar goes in, a dollar comes out, whether that's pipeline or revenue. Doesn't mean you should just sink a ton of money into brand experiences, but there's a reason why there's crappy swag everywhere. It's because people are too worried about the efficiency metric when it comes to, you know, let's get the cheaper t-shirt, not the really expensive soft one, because I don't want that budget line item to be too big or I get called out on it. But guess what? Nobody wants to wear the crappy t-shirt. And that could be a terrible example because we, we, I think it's really easy to get soft t-shirts <laughs> in general. <laughs> I think we, you and I probably have 50 of them each, right? With all different brands, but that's just an example. So you can measure it. I've used Visible for six years. You can, you can attribute stuff all day long, but 
I really care about the efficiency and the attribution modeling when it comes to paid channels more than I do brand. The reason why I wanted to ask that is because because there's two sides of stuff. It's easy for a paid person to say, okay, this is how much I spent on Facebook. This is how much revenue became on Facebook. But I want to ask like, for a brand marketer or a social media marketer that like it's a little harder to, it's measurable, but it's a little harder to measure. Like how do you set yourself up for success to get, move up the, the chain when you're in those type of position? Let's use direct mail as an example. I've used Postal for years. And what I care about from a direct mail perspective is the quality of the direct mail. Like, is it actually an experience? But I also care how many accounts. So if you have a targeted account list, how many accounts did it touch? No matter the contact, it was just how many accounts did we get that in front of? Number one. You can also do some work just around pipeline velocity with some of this stuff. But I would encourage like event marketers, brand marketers, brand, you can do share voice. You can do some other things. I think it just gets in the way of you doing your most creative work. And that's easy for me to say because I can empower my team to think that way. As a younger marketer, we spent a ton of time and energy on content, but we had numbers like subscriber number. Like how many subscribers do we have that, that is um, subscribing to our research? What's the open rate on the emails? What's the attach rate to some of the accounts that we're trying to sell in sales? So there's a way to connect it to revenue. You just, you don't have to do necessarily like this piece of content sourced X amount of revenue. You can do that if you have a really short sales cycle. And then you can go into the whole product-led stuff where, you know, it's a product-qualified lead or whatever, but that's a completely different discussion. I love that you have a leadership style that empowers people due to creativity. So how would you tell other leaders to, like, adopt this type of thinking? Because I've been with both type of leaders. I've been ones that are just strictly direct response. Let's say I'm a brand marketer that just got hired to a marketing team. Through the interview process, I would be asking how marketing is tied to pipeline or revenue creation. And if they're not, or if it's a really hard answer, like it's really hard for the leader to answer, I would be very hesitant to take that role, honestly, because... If it's not tied to revenue, everything else is going to be, it's going to be a magnifying glass on everything that you're doing. The one, one way we looked at it at Lessonly, so Lessonly was high velocity sale, 30, 60 day sales cycle. So most of the deals closed in quarter. So we could forecast pretty easily on what we thought we were going to close. We had one efficiency metric that was spread over marketing and sales. You know, it was LTV CAC number that we need to make sure that we hit as a go-to-market team. And as long as we were hitting revenue, everything else, payback period was solid. The LTV CAC number was solid. Everything else was kind of gravy because we were hitting those three main metrics that we set out as an exec team to say, this is what we think is important when it comes to efficiency to the board. So if I was a brand marketer and that wasn't happening, I would be pushing pretty hard over the course of the time that I was at that company to say, I really think we need to tie marketing revenue as much as we can. It might not be the brand play, but demand gen sure as hell needs to be tracking to it. 
And it's surprising how often they're not, honestly. I mean, you've talked about it and I think you, you said what scares a marketer and it's usually like MQL. Um, yeah. And that's usually the, the way like we've marketers fall into this trap because they think about only one side of the funnel, which is let's get as much like leads into the funnel, but they don't think about the efficiency of those leads converting into pipeline and revenue. And then that's where marketers get fired because they, they're always, it's just going to be a net, an ever ending cycle of just getting more and more late. I actually like MQL. I have peers that are like MQL's dead, blah, 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 dark funnel, blah, 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 which I, I know the dark funnel exists and I know that it matters. Okay. I'm just going to state that up front. If you spend enough time understanding what the scoring is around an MQL and you're watching the conversion rate between a marketing qualified lead and the handoff to sales, if you're a sales led organization, and the conversion rate is going up, and you're not working people that aren't qualified, then marketing qualified is fine. I think MQL gets a bad rap, honestly. It's all about just scoring. And if you're not doing the scoring model correctly, yeah, you're going to be driving volume. And yeah, you're going to be looking at the top of the funnel and not... I mean, marketing should be touching every part of the funnel, not just top, or they also should be influencing post-sale. I think where that comes into, I think is what you said before, if you don't start with aligning revenue and stuff with sales, then the MQLs become bad because you're not incentivized to do a quality. You're, it's marketing biased MQL, not an actual qualified lead that sales can close. So that I, I, I like, I mean, MQLs is a great leading indicator if this is good because there's only two ways to like grow pipeline is one, you get more efficient down funnel or you get more MQLs in, in the building. Like there's only two really ways to, to grow it. I don't care what you call it. As long as when a sales rep, unless they're sourcing on their own and there's BDRs, like that's a completely different conversation. If a sales rep is touching a lead that marketing gave them, that lead should be ready to at least have a conversation. Whether they requested a demo, they went through a product tour, they're using a free trial, whatever. And if marketing's not doing that, then you, you are not marketing well. You're just not doing marketing correctly. The, I think it's Udi, Udi from Gong that says, marketing's job is to make sales easier. <laughs> and I wish to God I would have said that myself, but that is, I will quote him all day long on that because it's true especially in a sales led or product led is different, but that's, you know, that's a completely different conversation. It's so important because one of the things that people make a mistake is like marketing doesn't provide hair cover for like the BDR team. So when they go prospect into like a territory or whatever, it's all, it's everything's cold. And if marketing's not influencing and making it easier for BDRs, then <laughs> BDRs are set up to fail from the beginning. There will always be the arguments of, was this the right thing to do? Did it work? But if you're working together as a go-to-market org, your numbers will improve. If you've got the basics fixed, right? Product market fit. If you don't have product market fit, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anything we're talking about. Like you've got to have product market fit first and then you can implement this stuff. But you've got to align with the rest of the org so that everybody's, and then it will improve if the product, like it's all about execution. 
I mean, that's really all we're talking about. How do you um, peel the onion around how to execute depending on your business model? What is something as a CMO or when you were a VP of marketing or anything, would you want to see from your direct report that is helping you have the conversation to get them promoted or get them that raise that they want? Like, what should I be doing as your direct report to give you impact? As a CMO, I should never walk in the room without knowing the impact that my that my team is having. Usually you can get that and good leaders are always monitoring that like I do, but it's even better when when they're proactive. I had a field marketer at Lessonly who every time an event was done, she would send me a note. I never asked for it, but she gave me the metrics. And so if I'm sitting in a room and the CEO's like, hey, how'd X, Y, and Z event go? I knew exactly how because she was proactive. So be proactive with communicating the impact that you're having. And if you are in between the CMO and you have a manager, send it to your manager and then make sure that you're having the conversation with your manager so the manager has it with the CMO. I would go as far as to just copy the CMO on the email to your manager. But you can you can judge that based off of your relationship you have with your current manager. Yeah, one thing I also seen success with, and I would like to get your opinion on, it, is not only like sharing these metrics with the marketing team, but sharing it with broader org, like sales and product and stuff like that. And make sure like they become your raving fans too. So when you're in a room, the sale, the VP of sales is like, oh, that of that event marketer, that field marketer, or that demand gen person is doing X, Y, and Z for the team or the product team is saying that. And then there's multiple people in the org talking about you, not just the marketing leader. The thing that marketers get wrong though, is that they feel like a regurgitation of a metrics report is what how you should tell that story to sales or to CS. Put it in their vernacular, tell the story with how they would want it told and they're going to remember it. And it's not just, hey, post how the event went. It is show impact by closing, helping reps meet quota. If sales isn't doing what you want them to do, it's because you're doing a shitty job telling the story of what you're doing, honestly. Because if there's impact and you're doing the right thing, they're going to want it. They're not going to leave you alone. Like it's, it's probably will get annoying about how much they want to work with you because you are telling the story. Of, I mean, a lot of this is storytelling anyway, whether it's internal or external, but show the impact as it relates to them selling more deals. That's it. I'm going to also flip it a little bit to another question of say like you are become like an overworked like VP or someone like that. And you're need you're needing resources. Like how should I frame that conversation? How do I get more resources to how would I ask the CMO or like my leader, like I need more resources to help me with X, Y, and Z. Here's the deal. You first have to ask yourself a question. Am I prioritizing my time and my team's time appropriately? Too often marketers, any, anybody that's, that's earlier, earlier on in their career, you feel like you have to get a lot done in order to feel accomplished, right? Busy. 
like there's dopamine everywhere. Like, like check, check the box. Doesn't matter what it is. I'm doing everything. I'm going to make impact everywhere. Dopamine hits all over the place. I feel great. And then you're overworked and you burn out and you say, I need more resources. But the reality was is that you weren't focused and you weren't prioritizing what you probably should have been working on to begin with. So first ask yourself that question. That also means that your marketing leader is prioritizing your time appropriately as well. Cause sometimes that's the leader's fault. Uh, actually most of the time it's probably the leader's fault. So am I prioritizing my time appropriately? Can I show business impact? And do I have a business case for the resources I want or need business case means here's the objective. Here's how it's going to uh, improve what we're doing from a business perspective. And here's the investment that I need. Most of the time when I'm asked for resources in the past, and, and, it, and it varies depending on the person, they'll say our team's too busy. That's not a business case. That's not a business case. Then stop doing half of what you're doing. And it all this is all dependent on the situation. Like I'm probably going to get hate tweets saying you have no idea what you're talking about. But really, it's all situational. Everybody, every business is different. Every leader is different. Every IC, you know, teammates different. But those are the three things. Are you prioritizing your time appropriately? Can you show business impact with what you're doing? And then make a business case. Ask for the resources. I don't think that's going to hate because when I, I've asked for resources in the past, I would be like, okay, here are the list of things I'm prioritizing. Here's all the things that need to be done that marketing's asking me to do because I was a marketing ops. If you want these done, we could do them, but they're going to take in six months or a year, or you can get a resource to do that. Like, it's up to you, but I'm right now we're prioritizing this list. If you want these other things done, then we need a resource. And then like usually like the... Yeah. And, and, then, and then you push back on them to say, what's the business impact of this entire list that you think I should do? Right. And then maybe we, you don't agree with this prioritization. Maybe we need to have a conversation about stack ranking it again. But you being too busy is not a reason you need resources. It's not a good reason ever. Everything in this conversation is going down to one really key thing. It's like how you're showing impact, either for like getting a resource or you're negotiating your next raise or you're trying to get promoted everything is like how are you showing impact i also want to go into this conversation of like i don't think a, i think this is one of the hardest things to do internally so also get your opinion but like it's easy when you become in a new job to negotiate a salary to like get that, that new job. And usually it's, you get, get close to the, whatever the band is that they have in there. But when you're getting promoted, is it okay to negotiate that salary? Like, like how do you negotiate salary? Cause usually sometimes they'll like, I've seen people just say, Oh, you're getting that a 4% bump and that's all you're getting. Um, so how would you go and approach that negotiation? Cause there's a lot of variables there. Like does the company have a leveling strategy? Yes or no. Uh, leveling just basically means is there, do they have bands, right? Like if you're a P1, you get paid within the 50th, 50th percentile of the region that you live in or whatever, whatever. There's tons of different ways to do it. The best piece of advice that I ever got around just making sure that the promotion is in place, options grants are there, there's money waiting, is to get agreement with your leader on what you need to do to get 
that. Get agreement up front. Like have the conversations at the beginning of the year. Hey, VP of marketing, I'm a brand marketer. I really want to be a manager I, or I really want more responsibility or I want a 10% bump in my pay. Is that possible? Yes or no. And if it is, what do I need to do over the 12 months to get there? And then check in and get the agreement. And if the agreement is not met, then you need to have a hard conversation with that manager or with the leader to say, why, why, why am I not being given what we agreed to at the beginning? A lot of times people don't ask up front. It's, it's a, I've done a lot of work. I feel like I deserve it, but there was an agreement up front with the leader. I think, I think that is the key, what you just said there is like, I think you have to say, okay, like if I want to get a promo in six months or something, go to lead and say, Hey, if I do X, Y, and Z, do you agree that I should get like a promo? A lot of people, what you say, do what you say is like, Hey, I'm doing all these roles and I'm also doing more roles here. Like, should I get, can I get promoted? And then like the, the leader one hasn't even like prioritized that in like their budget coming up. So then they're kind of, it's hard conversation for them or two, like there hasn't been something like that's not what they needed. Like, so like they don't need that to further. That's on the leader, the leader, no matter what the team, they need to be able to prioritize their team's time appropriately. But also as a teammate, you need to learn to say no. And if you're not saying no and taking on a ton of responsibility, that's not a reason to get a raise or a promotion. Now, if you ask your leader, hey, what do I need to do? And they have a hard time answering it. You've got to be really helpful to say, here's what I think. One question I wanted to also ask you is like, what is a, a marketing hill you would die on? Marketing should always be involved in the internal, the development of the, the culture of the company. I think there are times where talent, people in talent will hire agencies to do work around design or like mission, vision, values, and not really consult marketing on the onboarding and like employee gifts. And marketing should always be involved because it's about surprising and delighting people. I mean, that's what marketing is, in my opinion, right? Other than you know, making sales easier for sales. It's how do you surprise and delight the prospects? How do you surprise and delight the customer? How do you surprise and delight the employee? And I've been very lucky that two, three companies that I've worked for have been good at all three of those. Uh, exact Target, Salesforce, Lessonly. If you knock all three of those out of the park, it's just easier to build a great company. And you and I could probably wax poetic about 20 companies that we think do this well, but I find it off-putting when a company has great external marketing and their internal culture looks like like uh, uh, afterthought. Design, the culture page on the website, the new employee gift, the onboarding process, like all of it. I remember I worked with a, the CMO who would write the JDs and stuff like that. He would like help with but the JDs are like the best JDs I've ever read. That's a great example because if you have a bunch of people writing their own JDs, they most of the time just read like crap. You want to get creative. You want the brand to shine through. You want the story to be told and marketers are good at it. We think about it all the time. Yeah. And the last thing I have for you is where could people find you, where people could follow you, what 
things that you're up to? Uh, the only two places I spend time are Twitter. So it's Kyle P. Lacey and then LinkedIn. You can search Kyle Lacey. Those are the two places if you want to come hang out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been super helpful and I appreciate your time. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.